0: Thank everybody for joining the Entrepreneur Sessions podcast today. Um, I'm really excited about the guest that we have today. She's going to be a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of information. Um, Her name is Orion Brown, and she's the CEO and founder of Black Travel Box, uh, a company she created to give women of color a brand they could trust with their travel and personal care needs. And um, as a black traveler, Orion noticed that there were few places that women of color could find products that they needed for their hair and skincare needs. So, Orion's whole brand is here to help people travel in confidence by providing the products needed to put your best foot forward and rock those selfies. So, everybody, welcome Orion Brown. Yay!
1: Thanks
0: <laughs> yes. Thank um, for having me. For being on board. Maura, you
2: want to get huh? off with the first question? Oh, cool. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Memory glitch. So, how you doing today?
1: Good, good. I took your advice. I grabbed uh, a, an adult beverage along with my wine, my my water. So cheers. there we go. Cheers. <laughs> Bro, <laughs>
2: cheers to that. Lanza. Yeah. Hey, that hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so our theme uh, this season is a creative uh, series. It's thinking outside of the box. And so this month, we're focusing on creativity strategy as it relates to businesses. Um, So let's go ahead and get started. How did you uh, begin this journey as an entrepreneur?
1: Um, well, I, I can tell you, I'm not the typical entrepreneur. I feel like every entrepreneur that I hear goes, well, you know, I came out of the womb selling stuff, right? Like I sold to my nurses. I sold to my docs. I I told, I told, sold them out of slapping me. It was great. You know, <laughs> um, that is not my story. I, I have been a corporate girl for 15 years prior to becoming an entrepreneur. And for me, it was what is a bit of a typical story of having my own experience of having a frustration area, particularly with travel, love to travel. 15 years in corporate, you got to get out. You got to get yourself that space. You got to give yourself that, that release valve. And I found that as I was traveling, I always had this really consistent challenge with my personal care needs. And so it started from a complaint of why doesn't this exist? And then a realization that like it really doesn't, even though it should, and that sort of spun into creating it myself. Ooh.
0: So what was your inspiration behind Black Travel Box, the name? Like, when did that happen? Tell the whole story about that.
1: It was, so to me, it's a triple entendre. I think people really get, uh, it depends on who, who's, who's listening. Uh, I think people really get hung up on the Black part which right now I am very grateful for. (laughs) We are in an environment that people are actually very excited about brands that are sort of unapologetically quote unquote black as it relates to race. Um, But it really was, it was a quick thing. So um, I took a trip in May of 2017. That was sort of the impetus for me being like, why doesn't this exist? And then I waited all the way until August and I was like, I still haven't worked on this. I had the idea, still hadn't worked on it. So I gave myself that day to come up with the name because I was like, I'm going to file this as an LLC. So again, not not a sexy story in that regard, but in terms of what made sense to me, I knew I had a vision for what I wanted it to look like really before I even know what was gonna be in it. And so I was like, you know, I want something elevated. I don't wanna be one of those, uh, you see the the mailer box sitting outside someone's house and it's like got the Amazon strips and all kinds of stuff over it and just looks janky. I wanted something that felt really crisp and sophisticated. And then I thought about things like the little black dress, your little black book, right? There's some really amazing things that come in small, like sort of black packages. And so to me, I wanted, Black Travel Box as a product and as a brand to represent that idea of, if you have this with you, you've got everything that you need. We've got you covered. It's your little Swiss army knife. And so that's where sort of the idea of the Black Travel Box came along. It was like, this is a very literal interpretation, but by the same token, there's, uh, you know, some higher order elements to it because it really represents something that's a holistic package.
2: And, and you mentioned something earlier on. Uh, so you went straight to an LLC. Did you do DBA to LLC or you went straight to an LLC? Straight to an LLC. I
1: don't play. Give us <laughs> <Hey, laughs> hey, hey,
0: so the background though, because obviously it just from you doing that, that shows us that you have either some kind of business acumen or you've had some kind of experience to understand the importance of that. Can you explain why straight from concept you went ahead and did an LLC? There,
1: there's a couple things. I mean, so, so practically speaking, knowing myself as, how, as to how I work, I work when I have skin in the game. So that six month or so period between the trip and having the conversation and being like, maybe this should be a thing to getting to August, I was like, I haven't done anything with it. So for my own personal, personal sort of uh, checks and balances, I was like, I need to put some money against this. I need to put some time against this. And I need to have some social accountability. And they're none more, more accountable than the federal government. So when you get a tax ID and you get your LLC, So, so I got the tax ID and I got the LLC. The LLC in particular was important to me because it's a physical products company. This is, you know, my intentions are great, but the FDA doesn't check everything very closely. There aren't a ton of regulations around cosmetics. And I wanted to make sure if there were ever anything to come up with the company in terms of litigation that I would have protection personally. Um, because it needs to be its own entity. So I'm a big, big proponent if you have the opportunity, if you live in a state that it's not super expensive to do, go ahead and get it. The worst thing that could happen is you let it lapse, right, you're like, uh, I mean, we've had, you probably spent more on cocktails one night that weren't that good, depending on the, now if you're in New York, don't, don't listen to that because it's like, it's very expensive in New York. But like other states, it, it's, it's fairly easy and it gives you a level of legitimacy and it also enables you to get access to a ton of other things. So as you said, you know, I've been in business for years prior, and I understand the differences between legal entities and why we have different types of legal entities and holding companies and things like that. So I knew from jump, if I was going to do it, then I needed to go ahead and either get it incorporated or get it set up as an LLC. Yeah,
2: I love that explanation because I have a lot of people who ask me, well, I'll just go pay 26 bucks and get a DBA and I'll do doing business as. Yeah. um and, and there's all kinds of explanations why people do dbas versus llc versus incorporation so i definitely love your explanation you know putting skin in the game that, that's you know because when you when you put skin in the game then it's like okay now it's serious it's real you know yeah. now, now i gotta get my money back i gotta make this happen so i, exactly, I love that exactly and it um, puts
1: in protections because most people particularly within minority and black communities we don't have a ton of stuff to fall back on so we can't just right. be like well my company's a half a million in the hole i guess i'll just have to take that hit and go live with my parents like right. that's that's not a thing so we need to make sure that we have those those in place i also did things like get insurance like from jump right.
2: and so kind of uh transitioning to the times now uh how are you able to pivot your company uh based on the situation that we're in at, at the moment
1: yeah, I mean, it was. I really struggled. For, I probably didn't move as quickly as I wanted to because I was like, you know, I am going to fall on this sword of travel and of black travel. I this is this is the hill I die on. Let's just be clear. I already had my conversation with Jesus, and we were clear. This is the hill that I die on. So I I need to make sure that anything that I do in terms of pivoting the business is really still ingrained in and sort of uh, predicated upon the purpose of the business, the purpose of the company. And just to you know, give you a little bit of context there, when I started the company, it was a great white space idea and I hadn't been doing, you know, I hadn't been working on a brand in a while and I was really excited to do that. As I started talking to consumers and potential customers, I realized that there was a deeper need for this around beauty standards, around product double standards, Around um, the, the language that we use in hair and skincare and how it is um, not inclusive, and a lot of different things. And the flip side to that being that travel, it was always a form of self-care for myself. It really is a form of self-care for a lot of other black women like me. And so I thought that that was really important. So I wanted to come to the table with sort of a game changer from a beauty perspective, being really clear about who our audience and who our customer is, and catering to them, you know. F the rest of the noise, really focused on them. And then secondarily to that, or even, I guess, in parallel to that, being really focused on always, always standing for the wellness of Black women and Black travelers, um, because that's a really big piece. And so from that, I was able to take a step back and say, what do we need to do? And I took a communications, um, uh, a little bit of a communications pivot, as well or actually I, I wouldn't even say it was a pivot i think i leaned into communications more so i'm doing more conversations like this i'm going live we have wind down wednesdays every wednesday at 5 30 mst but seriously because you know y'all are early it's, too late. <laughs> it's it right <laughs> but, but it's one of those things that you know i i was used to being in businesses where i was behind the scenes nobody knew when i was the you know brand manager of Great Poupon, or when I was running A One, great, or you know, all of these different things. No one knew who who I was, and so I've been very comfortable with that. And so now I took this as an opportunity. People are consuming content. I got—I don't want to say I have all the time in the world, but there's no time like the present. Let me kind of connect with the audience more and start to really build more community and engage more, you know, front and center. And then the second piece of that was from a product perspective, well, what can we do? The first thing I wanted to do, this was in the middle of COVID, so this is a little pre the latest iteration of Black Lives Matter and all the things that are happening in cities and stuff. But um, so it was create a donation product because I, I noticed one day I was washing my hands and my hands were super rough and I just kept a, jar, like a giant jar of like body balm and I'm just like hitting them, hitting them, hitting them. And I remember that same day seeing a video of a guy, it was like a day in the life of an ER doctor in New York and you know you see besides the fact that he has this tension constantly he can't be around his family he's you know he's he's really worried about that he's worried about his own safety he's got the mask on all day he's washing his hands constantly way more than I am and I was like I can't imagine what this is like for brown and black folks in neighborhoods where they don't have major hospitals they have clinics and they have to do all of this and like just even basic skincare for that. And so that's where we came up with our COVID kit, where you can purchase it directly. It goes directly to them. We've worked with, um, we worked with a, a Dream Academy Foundation in Chicago to do the west side of Chicago. We gave them 100 or so packets and they had body balm, lip balm, right? Because you're wearing the mask, so you get the, the dry skin. Um, and we've been continuing to do that, you know, to, to, to give those out. The whole point was, look, it's good for business, I don't like businesses that come out and they'll be like an accounting firm and they'll be like, you know, uh, (laughs) we're selling masks. Like it just that doesn't make sense. I understand why they're doing it, but it doesn't make sense. But for me, I was like, look, it's great for us to continue to have a conversation with our customers and with new potential customers, but it also still serves wellness, right? It still serves wellness, it still serves our community. We're donating 20% of the proceeds to um, the National Association of Free and Charitable Clinics, which goes directly back to our communities. And it's enough to kind of keep us afloat. And that was great. That was great to have like that kind of cash flow as well as that, that triple bottom line focus for that product. Since then, we've pivoted into other products, at home products, we have a candle line, we do have masks. But the only reason we have those masks is because if you look at what was going on in travel over the last several months, they had a big announcement. You cannot get on an airplane without a mask. And so now we're still within our lane of travel focus, high quality products. We did triple layer masks. They have room for a filter. If you don't feel like that's enough protection, um, you know, both way, we won't talk about transmission and all of that. Listen to the CDC, that's my, that's my soapbox. Um, but those were all pivot products that still live within sort of that, um, you know that ecosystem of travel of wellness and of the black community I love
0: that's an awesome awesome pivot story that's still relevant because like you said it's the most random people mechanics still mask and everything right now yeah like, huh? so yeah. i love that i want to i want to rewind a little bit and let's talk about your early experiences as you tr- before you transitioned into an entrepreneur and then kind of walk us through that you know your experiences as an entrepreneur but Um, Obviously you have a huge knowledge, uh, a lot of knowledge and experience as when it comes to like product development and different things like that. So I wanna kind of hear about your early experiences, you know, previous before entrepreneurship, so. Um,
1: I mean, in terms of product development, I've gotten to work on some of the most uh, influential, beloved brands that are out there in food, no less, right? Food is one of those things that you give it to your kids you, it's your, it's your comfort food. It's there. It, it does a whole bunch of different things. And I think there's nothing as personal as like the food that you bring into your home, right? Cause it affects your health. It, it affects your emotions. Um, and so, you know, I've worked on some really amazing brands. Um, and I would say in terms of product development, um, those are some of the most, I guess, fond memories of working in brand, working on how do we create a product, for instance, that really works in the dollar chain segment, right? So in retail, Dollar General, Dollar Tree, things of that nature. Um, being really aware that I'm one of maybe a handful, if not people of color in the room, when those conversations happen, if I'm not like the only one. Um, things that come to mind, you know, I think about uh, how, I think it was Boomerang where they had like the whole malt liquor in, in the hood kind of thing. And they were like, no, no, we don't wanna do that. like that's always the thing that was in the back of my mind when I was doing this in corporate. And so being able to be in the room and say, Hey, how do we develop this from a mechanics perspective? Cause we have to know how to make it and we have to make it efficiently and it has to actually transport well. And all of these other things, these operational aspects and logistical aspects, then what does it look like? And then how does that go back to how we make it? And then, okay, now how does this fit into a and What are the margins on this? when i sell it to a retailer how much are they expecting on margins how much trade am i going to have to spend in order to buy the price down to the point that they want it at because there's a lot i mean there's a lot of accounting that goes into product development it's not just the design and then ultimately how does this serve the consumer and so being able to come into a room and say look i know that this person is coming in with their last 10 or 20 dollars. that's why they're going into the dollar store uh, no, I'm, I'm going to draw the line at not trying to siphon as much money out of that $20 from them as possible, but give them as much value as they can get while still giving my company as much value. And I would say, you know, that experience was a really interesting thing to juggle because not everybody came in the room with that mindset around it, um, which isn't necessarily their fault. I mean, I, I just have the perspective of having been the person with the last $10 going in. And I know for a fact that that was not the case for most of the people in the room. And so having that, it really makes you nimble and it really helps you to think about problems multidimensionally. You can't just look at it from one angle, like I need a new SKU that does X. It's like, no, it needs to do X, but 15 other things need to happen in order for it to even do that. And then you still need to test whether or not X is the right way to get it to market. That's the right way to deliver it to somebody. So, um, yeah, it comes, from, it comes from some really interesting experiences on some really diverse brands in terms of, you know, consumer and objectives and all of that.
2: And, and so you mentioned, you know, kind of working, um, you know, a lot of times people are, they don't have a lot of income. You know, a lot of people out there who want to start a business, maybe they don't have a huge income. Yep. Um, so with that in mind, what are some tools that you started out using or maybe that you still use? to kind of help you learn your clientele, maybe even you know, wear multiple hats at the same time, uh, things of that nature.
1: Um, in terms of understanding like, the customer or the consumer, I think the first thing that is valuable and it's free is to sit down and make them up. Just make it up. I like to find a person that I know in my mind, whether it be a cousin, a friend, somebody I used to work with, and if i think that they're the person that would buy my product buy my service i sit down and i map them out and it's everything from demographics how old are they what's what's their ethnicity where do they live what kind of car do they drive do they have a family do they are they single in my case do they like to travel do they not and then psychographics like how do they think about the world you know and we've all heard other people's opinions right we've all heard you know over over a glass of wine and, you know, well, no, no, yo, there we go. There we go. I'm liking this. I'm, we've made it a drink again. Um, right, right. We've all heard these, we've all had these conversations at some point where they're like, Oh, you know, I really think it's whack when X, Y, and Z, or I really hate that I got this, you know, phone call from this company or whatever it might be. And so you start out with, that's your avatar. That's your customer avatar. It's just an, it's just a, an ideal of who that person could potentially be. Second free easy thing you can do is then start going out and talking to people that seem like they fit that avatar and asking them questions. If you have a product, or even if you don't have a product, you can go out with a concept. So you can write down what your product would be if you don't physically have a product or what your service might be. Come up with a concept and talk to them and just get feedback. Your first job is to listen when you're that early on. It's just to listen. Here's a real basic idea. Don't explain a ton to them, don't, you know, but listen to what kind of questions they ask. Listen to where they get confused. Listen to where they're like, I'm not really sure. And note all of that. Start to come up with hypotheses, tighten up that concept or tighten up that product and then go out to more people. So, I mean, that's where I really started. That first year between, I would say, August of 2017 until like fall 2018, While I had started to make product and had started to make labels and things, because I like things that people can actually see, touch, smell, interact with. Um, Most of the rest of the business activity around that was really pulling together the consumer insights. And that was being on the phone with people, that was having dinner with friends and being like, so y'all know I'm about to pull out this product, right? So we're just going to take about 15 minutes. And we're gonna talk about this, <laughs> you know? I mean, there's, there's easy ways to do that that really doesn't cost you anything. And then you can go into more scaled things. So one of the first scaled kind of things that I did was I, I made product and then we got that out to influencers, small, small influencers. Folks who are interacting with a lot of travel or doing a lot of travel. Uh, folks that are interacting with a lot of beauty brands. They're not the big guys, because the big guys you have to pay little guys and you send them a the product and you say, Hey, I'm starting this. This is the concept. What do you think about it? It's not about getting them to share it. It's not about getting them to advertise. It's about getting feedback from people who are overqualified to tell you what your product can do or, or what it needs or, or what it could be. And so those were sort of those early steps to really getting that consumer insight that didn't cost me more than, you know, cost of goods on a product or just having a conversation with someone. Cool, love it.
0: Love it. And I, um, I worked in market research for like eight or nine years so and, and marketing. So I love like personas and avatars and really building out who that customer is. And I did a lot on the retail side. And I remember like in the store circulars, in certain neighborhoods, you would see two for a dollar waters. And then in other neighborhoods, you'd see two for dollar juice barrels. So it's just it's indicative of the fact that these brands know who their audience is in each mm-hmm. of these episodes they know their habits, they know how they move, they know if they, what, you know, their fam, like if they're family oriented, you know, yes. all of these different details and, and people don't pay attention to these things, but that research, I love that you said that because that research is pivotal to the direction that you, you can't build your brand strategy until you know your audience and you know how to serve the audience. So I love that you said that. Um, I wanna jump into this next question. Mm-hmm. Your product offerings are amazing because you have lip balms, you have hair balms, you have all kinds of products. um, How has your experience in the space inspired um, your strategy and creative direction when determining how to create the right products? I kind of feel like we already touched on that, but um, do you feel like when you're creating your your different product offerings, do you lean more on talking with your consumers first? Or do you go from your own inspiration? Like, I like candles. So, I'm just going to go and talk to people <laughs> and see what kind of candles, or do you find out from them first what do you even want? And then yeah. I create. One. Yeah. yeah, so um,
1: I would say that in, in regard to the candles, it was actually <laughs> so the initial research that I did actually took us out, if I were to map it um, easily, two to three years of product launches, mm. quarterly, easily. Um, And that's, that's heavying up on it. I could probably get more frequent, but there's obviously there's, there's, you know, there's, there's implications to launching that many SKUs at once and all of that. And um, so I already had a product roadmap. So that's where I kind of pulled from my previous experience because you, you don't just like no, no company that you see out here that's launching something new, but you know, just thought of it last week, right? There may be some, some nuance to how they did it that makes it feel really relevant for right now, but ultimately they had that in a pipeline. Most of these companies, even the most boring companies in the world will have a five-year pipeline on when they're launching products. And so for me, that was, the start was I started with the most polarizing products for travel. So you walk into a hotel, you're like, oh, hell no, I'm not touching that shampoo. I'm not doing that, not today. Say, no, we're not doing that, right? So we started with shampoo, conditioner, The ashy knuckles, everybody knows at hotel lotion makes ashy knuckles. So like, that's where we started out with the body balm. And then I just kind of rounded it out. I was like, you know, lip balm, everybody likes lip balm. Let's just throw a little lip balm in there. You know, a little little quick something that if you're, again, thinking strategically, if you're not familiar with the brand, you want a product or two that enables people to feel okay about just trying it if they're not sure. A woman's hair, even a man's hair. I mean, y'all are getting real serious about beards these days. I see you out here with the balm and the pre-wash and then the poo and then the no poo and then the conditioner and then the, the oils, right? So you're very specific about the things that you're putting on your body. And some people just are like, oh, I don't really wanna experiment while others do. And so giving them something that they can try without uh, a lot of risk is, is another key. And so that's sort of rounded out that starter kit of products that we've started with. The Campbell's actually came about because I had already had within sort of the pipeline some experiential packages of, you know, products, and experiential platforms. So if you go to a hotel or Airbnb, how do you create ambiance? How do you begin to feel at home? If you want to meditate, if you want to have prayer time, whatever it might be, if you want to just have relaxation time, how do you create that? And so there were a set of products, including travel candles. Now, one of the things, you know, pulling from my own experience as a customer and a consumer, I was like, why is my Amazon bill so high? Because I keep buying candles every other week. Right, like I'm just, I got the candles coming, I'm at home, it smells like I've been at home all day. Like, you know, you cooking, it's hot. It's like, I was like, you know, I, I'm spending a lot on these. If I'm spending a lot, I think other people are probably spending a lot too. So why don't we go ahead and bring that pipeline item up front. It's perfect for being, you know, in the house. And then let's make sure that we press hard on the travel theme. So they're all travel inspired. They're, they're inspired by specific places. So, they're meant to sort of transport you while you're having sort of a staycation in your own home and in your own space. And so, it really was an amalgamation of preparedness and planning with the ability to sort of pivot it and tweak the idea a little bit more to really tighten it up so it feels like it's on brand, even though it's an at home item, which isn't necessarily our brand ethos. Uh, that's
2: amazing. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: it's, and so, you know, you're, you're studying your clientele. Um, what does your average day look like? You know, I, I know there's, you got business and then you got your personal life. What is your your average day or, or does everything just kind of coincide and collide together?
1: It is, um, it's like a, I don't wanna say it's a bad episode. It's like an episode of Star Trek sometimes where, you know, you're just like, oh no, they broke the space-time continuum. We're in a loop. Um, but it's wow. been very interesting, especially as of late. If you had asked me this a year ago, it would have been much more balanced with, you know, um, work, family, um, you know, social endeavors. I tried to keep some social endeavors in place just so I wouldn't go completely batty. Um, Now it's like stay inside and shelter in place and stay away from the cooties. And since I'm here, let's have 52 calls. Um, (laughs) And so, I mean, the typical things that I'm working on in a day, I mean, it really is a jack of all um, situation. Because I am a solopreneur. I work with contractors. I bring contractors in as I need them. Um, looking forward to the day to having the full time team, but it's a lot of, you know. Everything from making sure our social media is working properly and set up and doing what it's supposed to do. So I'll go and stalk our page and make sure that things posted when they were supposed to um, To having early phone calls with people who want to chat either about mentorship or they want to chat about partnerships. Um, You know, we get a lot of inbound requests for folks that want to do partnerships with us, whether they be travel agents or influencers and things like that um, to making sure that Product inventory is where it needs to be. Our p and is where we need to be. Um, and then a lot of learning. I spend a lot of time doing learning as much as I can. Um, I, like I said, I'm not an entrepreneur. I didn't come out the womb as an entrepreneur. I didn't sell lemonade as a kid. I was like, they got McDonald's for that. I don't know why y'all wanna do it, but you can have fun with that. Uh, <laughs> so for me, it's a, it's. I'm doing a lot of catch up. I'm really doing a lot of catch up and I'm learning things like how Ecom works and some of the best practices there, uh, I'm listening to podcasts, really anything that has a good deep dive where people give tangible step-by-step, step, here's how you get things done, which obviously that takes longer to go through. Uh, but I spent a lot of time doing that as well. And then making sure that we're operating and working with programs like Zane Capital Program and, and different things like that. Um, so my days are pretty full. I mean, it's, this is a pretty typical like eight to eight kind of day. But Jimmy John's in the middle because you got to get that lunch. You got to (laughs) be right. (laughs) All right.
0: So we're going to get into this. Good, good. Uh, You've been featured in some major publications such as Essence and Black Enterprise and many other publications. So what advice or best practices could you offer to other startup entrepreneurs who are looking to get uh create visibility for their brand?
1: Yeah, I mean there's so so there's a few things. really knowing what your communication plan is in, in terms of what do you want to say about your business? What do you want people to know? And what people do you want to know what aspects of your business are? So for instance, if you are, if you are trying to get investors, then your like, what you want to talk about is the aspect of you being an entrepreneur is the building of the business, right? The building of the business, building of the brand. When you want to talk to consumers, you want to talk about the product. You want to talk about the brand essence. You want to talk about the brand story. Uh, when you want to sell your expertise, then you want to talk about your background and how you're approaching things. And those are very different conversations to have. So being really clear about what conversation you want to have where, and not just taking one conversation and trying to like cookie cutter stamp it, is is a big piece. The second thing is to find. I mean the We're in a very unique time. Podcasts are blowing up like crazy because, again, a lot of people are still working nine-to-fives from home. And if you've ever worked from home on a corporate job, you know while your your heart really wants to be in it. You're like doing laundry in the back. You might be, you know, texting on your phone, all of that stuff. So people are distracted and they're, they're consuming a lot of content right now. So there's so many different free ways to get your message out. Um, if it's, again, like we talk about investors or business partners, going on LinkedIn and writing articles, going on to Medium and writing articles for that matter, and sharing them on these free social platforms that enable you to kind of get your message out is huge. Um, the same thing with Instagram and Facebook with your, if you're a brand and Snapchat and then all the stuff that the young kids are doing, they got the TikToks and all of that, right? These are all platforms that depending on who your consumer is, you can get a free message out whenever you feel like it. And the beautiful thing is, is everybody's at home. So they don't care what you look like. They don't care what you sound like. They don't care about the quality of it. If it was 10 years ago, people would have been like, that's so janky, they don't have any money. I don't wanna go, with, I don't wanna buy from that business. Now people are like, ooh, we get a peek behind the scenes. It's a real person, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of opportunities out there. Besides that, there are more formalized opportunities. And so, you know, we know about influencers. I think everybody kind of knows about influencers. They're very easy to stalk. Let's just be honest. If you got 20 minutes a day, you can hop on Instagram and find who is talking about the thing that you want to talk about and DM them and say, hey, let's chat, you know, let's do a live. Let's, you know, can I send you product? Those types of things. Um, But you can also use, uh, you know, more formalized platforms like Help A Reporter Out, um, which is a great platform. You just sign up for their emails. They will bombard you three times a day with opportunities for you to open your mouth and promote your business and promote what you do. And so those are, are many of the ways to do it. The PR is a virtuous cycle, which means that once you start to get a piece of good PR, other people get jealous, other PR platforms get jealous. And they're like, Ooh, they got a story that I didn't get. Let me go get this story too. Right. Whether or not, not how that information gets to them. It could be, you know, uh, passive as in they happen to read a story. So some of our early PR was someone happened to read a story that had been written on a platform and they were like, this is interesting. I want to talk to them too. Right. 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 Or you can do the proactive side and you can say, Hey, guess who was just talking about me? Here's an email. I just was featured here or you can have your virtual assistant do it. That's that's cheaper and, and much easier on your mind. If you just have your assistant do it. God bless them. Hey, we were, we were, you know, we were here. This is, you know, what's interesting about us. If you'd like to learn more, here's some ideas of some things that we can do. We'd love to talk with you, right? And just go through and do that. And the same thing with podcasts, right? Just letting people know you exist because sometimes you don't have a marketing budget. Sometimes, even if you do, you don't, you can't possibly saturate a market. The only brands that saturate markets are like Coca-Cola and Pepsi, Everybody else still struggles to get pieces of markets and get brand awareness. I have worked on $500 million brands that when you look at their market penetration in terms of awareness, they're like, hey, like, you know, they're they're like the nosy neighbor. They're just peeking over the fence. And they spend millions of dollars on it. So you can't expect that everybody's gonna hear your, your voice because you threw out a Facebook ad. And so finding as many places to just boast, and, and again, you're selling yourself. Ultimately, when you're selling something, this is the way I sell, and I'm, I'm not a salesperson at heart, I, it's, I'm not, but I'm more of a marketer. But I believe in like the sort of the truest form of capitalism that somebody out there wants what you have. It's your job to make sure that you articulate to them that you have it, and they know exactly what it is that you're saying right? So you have to be clear about what it is. But once those two things meet, that's where you create demand, whether it be demand for PR, you know, interviews and, and chats and things like that, or it be demand for product.
2: I love that. And, and you've answered this next question with different points, but what are some aspiring advice you give to other entrepreneurs? Because during the, uh, the broadcast, you know, uh, a lot of people who are watching, you know, they come from, you know, medical background. Uh, they come from all different types of businesses uh, what kind of advice would you give to other aspiring entrepreneurs
1: I would say there's two things that are required of you to sort of meet your full potential Mm -hmm. one is you know everyone says believe in yourself believe in your idea believe in yourself I wholeheartedly concur because there's a lot of people out there to tell you no for a lot of reasons that don't have anything to do with how good your idea is or, or how viable it is. Whether they just have their own personal biases and experience, whether they're looking at you a certain kind of way because of a certain kind of way that you look, whether it's the way that you presented it. Like, you know, if you're not clear about what it is that you're trying to do or what it is you're trying to make. So there's a lot of reasons for people to say no. So be really good about believing in yourself, actually believing. I don't, I don't believe in this whole fake it till you make it thing. Right, like make it in your own mind, be there. Don't don't pretend you're there because when you're throwing on a facade that falls off real easily. Right. But right. the balance to that is, is you better be really good at being vulnerable and self-aware because people can be wrong. When you say just believe in yourself, that's predicated on an idea that people can't be wrong. Like you can't be wrong. You, if you have an idea, you can do anything. Now, I mean, through Christ, I can do all things, but, <laughs> but that's a different conversation, right? so so being really vulnerable with yourself and with people that you trust around you so that you can get good advice and good understanding good perspective on what it is that you're trying to do and being able to be honest with yourself if you're not trying to do something that's going to work love it that's
0: the the microphone (laughs) (laughs) drop okay (laughs) so all right. What's a what's a risk that you've taken in your career that initially just scared you, but ultimately it paid off tremendously?
1: Um, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I this is the beginning of my career, uh, the very very beginning, back when the dinosaurs were around. Um, <laughs> I was, so, so from age four until my junior year of college, I was going to be a doctor. I am going to be a doctor. I've read every medical book. I have done all the nerdy stuff. I skipped recess to be a nerd. I'm going to go do this. And during my college days, I went through some really horrendous personal stuff, uh, with family and issues and things like that, and I was hanging on by a thread. And as I was transitioning towards my senior year, I had started to get my footing. I had gotten some some obstacles moved out of the way, and I actually had the chance to sit back and go, "What do I want?" Because you know, when you're in fight, flight, or freeze mode, right? When there's things happening around you that require you to basically uh, work off of adrenaline it's very hard to be very mindful of, well, what's my path forward? And what am I doing? Because you're just dealing with stuff daily, dealing with stuff daily. And if any of y'all ever had to deal with drama, just, you know what that looks like. It doesn't matter what the drama is. And so when I was able to take that step back, I realized, God, I, this has put me in a position that I didn't see myself being in. I just can't imagine doing another six years of schooling in the emotional space that I'm in, in the space that I'm in, in terms of family and support, like it doesn't feel like the right path, but I had no other plan. So what do I do? And I will say I did start out with prayer. That's just me. You can do something different, but I started out with the, I, I don't know what to do. I need you to just take the wheel, like legitimately. I know it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of silly to say, but take the wheel because I don't know. And that was hugely, hugely, um, you know, a, a, I was gonna say bigly, and I'm like, not nah, our president, stop, stop making me say words that don't exist. Um, it was a really big turning point, a really big pivot point for me. And it was scary as hell. It really was. I, and I started going to look for a real job. Like, this is the person that had never been in an office building, other than to go use the bathroom you know you're walking around downtown you're like "Ooh, I gotta pee which one looks like it might have a clean yeah that was me that was as much business experience as I had I'd never had an internship and the leap that I ended up tap- taking because I do believe that prayer works is um I ended up in a job at JP Morgan doing internal consulting oh. scared the crap out of me I showed up at work and I was like I'm wearing trousers is this right like I didn't know what to do I didn't know what to do and that was a huge huge and I moved 800 miles from home I moved from Chicago out to the East Coast by myself. All I had, I didn't even have a car at the time. I, I bought my car on a promise <laughs> that I had I my, my letter, my acceptance letter for this, you know, internal consulting program. And I was like, hey, Honda, <laughs> can, can, I, can I hold a Civic from y'all in a couple months? Like, I'm gonna be paid. I, I, I drove out in a rented minivan. My dad drove me out. I had everything I owned in a minivan drove me out. We stopped at the car lot. I got the keys to my car for the lease, went to my apartment and sat on my floor (laughs) and started a new life. And that was not only a career thing. I mean, that was a life thing. But when you don't have that sort of tether of, well, this is what I've always planned for and this is what it's going to look like. um, It was a huge leap. I I will say what I learned from that experience is one, when you let go, it's amazing what things can happen. And I've I've done that more times over my career since then because i knew from a faith space it'll be all right it'll be all right i don't know what is what what the all right is i don't know what all going to look like but it will be and so that's why that's the one that comes to mind is at the beginning of my career but i haven't really felt like the changes that i've made in my career have been that scary because of that experience that's
2: awesome And then along the road, is there any quotes or, you know, anything that you kind of live by, Uh, even books? Is there some like books that you read that just kind of inspires you to, you know, keep the, uh, keep, keep going?
1: Um, I have to say I I went to a rather nerdy college and they kind of beat some of the reading out of me. (laughs) (laughs) They did. They really did. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Right. So God bless them. I got my money's worth. I got my loan, my student loan's worth out of that experience. Um, so, so there aren't like some, you know, massive books that come to mind, but things that do pop up. I mean, I, you know, I was talking to someone the other day. We were talking about decision making and discrimination and what does that mean? And I was like, well, you know, Blink, The Power of Thinking Without Thinking talks about how you internalize schema. I knew the schema part from being a psych major and you know how how do all of these pieces come together. So I think a lot of these things kind of float in and float out um, as they become relevant. But in terms of words that I live by, um, I actually have this on my email um, footer and I'm actually going to pop it open really quickly because otherwise I'm not going to say it right. I'm t- it's a great quote. I'm terrible at re-quoting it but it's a Frederick Douglass quote um that years ago so wherever i work i all i like to put i like to put quotes in my footer of my emails just a little nugget because it helps people get to know me so you you know if you're emailing hundreds of people in a day you know from you know work corporate or entrepreneurship whatever and people are they never get your they rarely get your personality especially when it's a lot of transactional stuff and so i like to add a quote to it and so this quote was um A Frederick Douglass quote that I found a few years ago, and it's taking forever to open up, but basically the idea is, um, I would rather deal with other people's judgments of me than to feel like I'm not really being true to myself. Mm. Um, And I think that that's, that's really, really true. This idea of coming into a space and recreating yourself for other people will wear you out very quickly. And so being true to the person that you were created to be, being true to the person that you have developed into is really key. I always put caveats with these things, though, right? If you're not proud of the person that you are, then you need to work on that first. But the, the quote just came up. The actual quote is, I prefer to be true to myself, even at the hazard of incurring the ridicule of others, rather than to be false and to incur my own abhorrence. And so I really stick by that and it's always underpinned with, do I feel like I'm being the person that I truly want to be? And if I'm not behaving in a way that's in line with that, forget worrying about how other people expect me and what, you know, what I'm doing and am I keeping it real and all of that. Clean up yourself first, your heart, your thinking, your behavior, and then live by that. And, and don't worry about how other people, not unless you're, I mean, like if you eat puppies and kill babies, then don't don't live up to that. Don't, I don't think that's good. But <laughs> if you, but everything else is pretty much gravy, right? And and you have to really search your heart. I think that's that's been my big life lesson, even as a professional, because I mentioned earlier, coming into rooms and being the only person representing a certain experience, there's a lot of pressure and you can choose to be quiet and go with the flow and not you know, kind of create any ripples, or you can step up and, and, and say something. And how you do that and how you bring that, that's really important. The choices you make as an entrepreneur affect so many other people, not just your customers, your, not just your employees, so many other people, people who are looking up to you that you don't even think about are watching the way that you do things and modeling your behavior. And so it's, it's really important to be true to yourself and make sure that that true self really lives up to the values that you hold.
2: Let's awesome. appreciate it, yeah.
1: So
0: before we jump into Q&A, can you, really, can you drop your handles real quick? Like how can our listeners connect with you? What are your social media handles?
1: Yes, so Black Travel Box, you can find us online at Black Travel Box pretty much on every platform. Not on TikTok because there's just no, I'm not doing no dances. I'm sorry. I just, I'm, that's all I got. That's, <laughs> just, that's all I got. Um, so you can find us at Black Travel Box on all platforms, uh, mm-hmm. primarily Instagram. You can also find us at www.blacktravelbox.com. That's our website. You can learn more about us, contact us, interact with us there. And then for me personally, I hate what people say me personally, man. Um, but for me, <laughs> you can find me on pretty much every platform again not TikTok. that's all the shimmy you get orion o-r-i-o-n underscore helana h-e-l-a-n-a um tweet me at me i don't know do all of those things dm me um you can find me pretty much all of those places all right so
0: if anybody has any questions feel free this is the time you can go ahead and unmute yourself you don't necessarily have to turn on your camera but you can unmute yourself if you wanna ask Orion a question. And if I were you guys, I would ask her, cause Orion is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, you guys really need to go check out her Instagram. This woman really understands branding and marketing. So that's my two cents, but does anybody have a question?
2: I have a question real quick as people are coming on. Uh, and, and you mentioned you have people working for you. And um, we've experienced times where we brought on interns and then interns come and go and so forth. Are you in a position where you're bringing on interns or you bring in like contractors or full-time employees? And and if so, if you brought in interns, how was
1: your experience with that? So I haven't actually brought, well, actually, no, I take that back. I have worked with some interns. So I'll tell you about that in a second. I primarily work with contractors because right now I need a certain level of talent where they can kind of pick up a project and run with it. Um, And even there, it's still, you know, it's still a gentle balance because they're not doing the day to day of the business. And unlike a a massive established business where there are systems and processes that are consistent on a day-to-day basis, at a small scale, while you wanna eventually get to that, there are just times that you have to be nimble because just stuff comes at you fast. And so with that, you have to do a little bit more hand-holding, almost similar to you as you would in a corporate setting with an intern, right? Um, And so, you know, so I primarily work with contractors. However, um, actually my undergrad my alma mater has a marketing club that has started to do some uh, Consulting work. They're so cute the little babies. I know they're like over 20 but still they're little babies. And so I've worked with them and, and they've done some really great intern projects. Um, the challenge with interns will always be you have to put in more time investment <laughs> than you get out in value. Um, and so that was for me an opportunity to give back. Um, and, and I actually like, I really like giving back and I like teaching and things like that. So it's a little bit of an outlet for me as opposed to that much of a workload help. Um, but that being said, it also is helpful to get a really fresh perspective. So even if they're not technically astute, even talking to them about what you're doing, where they're not the, co- the consumer, they're not the customer, and them just like spitballing, God bless millennials, because they will say whatever comes to mind. And that is actually very valuable. We, you know, we're like, ah oh, you don't know what you're talking about. But if you listen, there's a reason to their thinking, there's a reason why they looked at it and said, well, I thought this made sense. And either it could be that if, if it's a if you want to call it a whack idea, (laughs) it it might be a whack idea because you are not articulating your product in the market the right way to make it not occur to people in that fashion um, or the way that you're explaining it to them. And that those are very valuable lessons. They're painful and sometimes time consuming or cost consuming, but they are good lessons. And I think that feedback is always helpful. So that's sort of been the experience. I mean, it's always going to be, I think, it's gonna be more work than you get out of it, but it can be really fabulous. And every now and again, you're gonna find that diamond in the rough where you're like, "Well, I guess I gotta pay you forever because you're just gonna have to stay." <laughs> I mean, that happens as well.
2: Right. Because <laughs> I've had mixed feelings. You know, we've we brought in interns before, just who wanted to kind of learn the craft, and they last for like a couple of weeks. And then we brought in interns who ended up lasting for months. Yeah. Um, and so. I've always curious to find out from other people you know who's brought in interns you know what their experience was and you know if if they you know they say okay yeah encourage bringing interns or no you know I'd rather you should just focus on contractors and
1: honestly it really is I mean it's going to depend on your business and the nature of the work that you want them to do but I think you have to also come in with a certain expectation that this is an opportunity for you to give back and help a person learn and expand their horizons. And you might even be helping them learn that they are not fit for that industry. That's, and that's an honest thing. Because if you think back to when you interned, when you did that, there were times where you're like, I don't, I don't know if this was the best idea. <laughs> and that's a good, that's a very valuable lesson for someone who one day, because remember, you're going to be in the game for a minute. So 10 years out, they won't be an intern anymore. 15 years out, they won't be an intern anymore. And they may be a valuable piece to your network. Hell, five years out, some of these folks are starting starting their own companies. And they're like, you know, what I did for you taught me that that was not what I needed to do, but I had a great idea over here, and I actually have a skill set for it. So, you know, I would say definitely start out with an expectation that this is a two-way street. They're probably gonna get a little bit more and they should than you get out of it. and then, you know, as you said, like some of them kind of fall off after a couple of weeks while others last months, depending on what your needs are. I like to, and I learned this from corporate, is to break it up into discrete projects that have discrete timelines, short, quick projects that enable them to have quick wins so they don't get discouraged, you just practically speaking, and you can get work out of them. And then longer term things that may be more strategic or more intensive where you can see the quality of their work, the quality of how they think and assess them for future opportunities.
2: Very well put, I love that.
1: We've actually had an experience where we had an intern that
0: built a successful viral business and has won all kinds of awards. So that does happen and we've had that firsthand. Um, I wanted to ask another question real quick before we wrap. Um, As far as your product line, what was your first win? Like tell the story of how it happened, and just your whole experience, I guess, that that moment that validated the business, you know?
1: Um, so, so from a product perspective, I think the first win was uh, when I discovered bundles, like Christopher Columbus discovered America. I was like, you know, if you put two things together, people like that um <laughs> but it really was one of those things that i you know i had that little voice on my shoulder that was like i don't know if your stuff's really that good i don't really know if people are that interested and i remember at one point you know we had individual items because i wanted to this is all test right we got it on a website we're like waving people down the street for traffic to come into this website right like we got a we got a sign we're spinning it it's nothing you know I'm not spinning any ads or anything And kind of saying, you know what, well, why don't we take all of these things, use all the smallest sizes and mash it up into our starter kit and see if that is something. And I was like, I don't know, it's a high price point. I don't know how I feel about this. And that was the, everything else stopped selling and that, that took all the sales. And I was, I was like,
2: no, (laughs) no,
1: you mean bundles are a good marketing opportunity in e-commerce? Now who would have thought? Um, But this is what happens when you're not familiar with a particular space and all of that stuff, because that's not how it works in retail. Typically, you don't buy things in sets in retail. You kind of pick and choose, and you customize that way. So that was a big product win. But my big aha of this is going (laughs) to work, I don't know if if it was this is going to work, this is something, was after that prayer I told you all about, I I left my corporate job. And I was fully planning on getting another corporate job. I was like, I, I, I can be miserable here that could be miserable somewhere else that I don't have to drive to. Um, Cause you know, I like to keep it practical. So I was like, let's, let's find something in walking distance. Let's just, you know. And, and I said, you know what? Well, I, I've got black travel walks going in the background and it's a passion project. Maybe I should give it some incubation time and see how well it goes. And so I said, dear sweet Jesus, please help me. Um, if this is not the right idea, let me go down in burning flames. Let me let me just crash and burn. No pressure. Go on. Nuclear. And if it is the right thing, then I need you to be real clear with me because I'm really bad at seeing signs. So, like, you got to be like, it's really good or it's really bad. And then within a month or so of that, I was at the Inc. E 5000 conference. Um, my partner at the time was speaking there. And I, I had a VIP. I found myself with a VIP pass. And I was... We had assigned seating at one of the dinners for all the speakers, and I was set right next to the um, uh, editor-in-chief at the time, Jim Ledbetter. And we talked about food, because I love food, and we talked about Instapots and kids being allergic to all the things, and you can't take anything fun to school anymore because all the children would die, and we don't want that to happen. And then he goes, oh, tell me about your business. And then, so I tell him, because it's on my thing, but I I'm, I'm still have that little voice that's like, eh, it's not really a thing yet. You don't even got a website, what you doing? Um, I think we did have the website at that point. Uh, and he brings over his right hand and she's the first thing she says to me, cause he's like, Oh, I want you to meet Orion. And this is her. And she was like the black travel box. Yes. We've heard of her. Oh, we were talking about you a few weeks ago and we saw that you were still in beta. So we didn't engage you for like an interview yet, but we, you know, we've been watching what you've been doing. And I was like, <laughs> Who been doing what? <laughs> watching. Wow. You know, and so, again, you never know who's watching, you never know who's paying attention. Um, and that was a moment for me that said, I, I don't even know my own power at this point. And so I can't down myself. I have to keep pushing forward. I believe there's something here. And people from all walks of life are coming in and acknowledging that. And, and that's something that, you know, you have to be true to. So I got my sign. So now, now is the hard part, making it happen, right? But, but that was my sign. Love it.
0: All right. Well, um, last call for questions, if we don't have any questions. Um, I have we, a question. Okay, go ahead. Hey, okay.
3: Kiki. Hey, how are you? Thank you for good. all the, How are you doing? I'm good, the input that you provided. So I have a question for you. So let's say you mapped out, you had a project that you wanted to
0: uh, run like a marketing campaign or something like that. And Mm -hmm. so you mapped out every single detail. So you had your demographics, you had the targeted audience, you had all that information. Um, Have you ever had any experiences where it just didn't work? And if it didn't, what is the area that you feel um, that people who are trying to market product fail at the
1: most? Uh, Are you talking about ads or are you just talking about in general? In general. So like you're trying to market a product, you've done all the research and then it just fails. Like, what do you think is the
0: hardest thing to try to pin down?
1: Well, so what I would say is there's there's a couple. There's the strategy and then there's the tactics, right? Mm-hmm. The strategy is who my customer is, how I'm positioning my product, what does my brand stand for, how am I trying to go to market? Like, have I thought through the, lo- the logical aspects of that at a very high level? The tactics is all about execution. And so what I would do before I say anything is broken, I would take a step back and start with the tactics. Did I execute the thing that I said I was gonna execute? Mm-hmm. Usually that's gonna be a big culprit because you didn't get it done with excellence in the way that you intended to. That being said, if you're like, I nailed all the tactical stuff, everything's where it was supposed to be, all the visuals were right, the copy was right, all of that, okay, cool. So there's something wrong with your strategy. Mm. and that's, and, and I like, because, you know, I was pre-med back in the day, I was all about the science, I like to look at things and A-B test it, right, I like to look at things and pick apart different variables, different pieces of that plan, and see if there's something broken about it, so if it's the consumer, then you might go to who your target consumer is and say, what do you think about this, you know, if this thing didn't exist tomorrow, would your world be fine, and if they're like, yep. All right, well, maybe you're not the consumer. It doesn't necessarily mean the product's bad. might be not the right the consumer. So then you, you can even ask people, well, who do you think this would be for? Of, of the, if you were to buy this as a gift, if you came into a store and you saw this as a gift and you're like, oh, somebody has a birthday coming up, whose birthday would you give that for? And mm-hmm. then ask them about that person. Because this is all the science, all the, all the consumer science and stuff that's out there is predicated on real human beings that live in a real world. So start with the real human beings that live in a real world. And if you find that other person that it might be for and you test it with them and they don't like it, they go back to the product. All right. So this thing doesn't seem to be mountain much to a bunch of people. So what could be different? Um, if you think about brand stories or business stories like Airbnb, Airbnb didn't quite work at first because it was like, here, sleep on my couch. <laughs> people were like, ooh, that's a little sketchy. But then they refined it and they made it whole homes and they created these referral programs and they created structure around it. And they got around the things that didn't make sense. Uber started out as a livery service. You know, those black car services that you might get once in a lifetime if you get a really good meeting, a really important meeting, somebody might send a car (laughs) for you. That's what it was supposed to be. And it was like, that's not enough people. The scale just isn't there. People think livery is stuffy. But then when you got into the, oh, but, But just getting a ride from somebody, like this is basically a ride sharing service. That's how they pivoted and made billions. So I would work my way in from execution. Was the execution right? Did it it happen the way you wanted it to? Then start to pick apart your strategy if it isn't the execution and look at different elements of it. You may have gone to the wrong retailer or the wrong channel to reach your customer. You may have come in with the wrong idea of who the customer is. You may have said it to them wrong. And they can tell you those things. Or you may have to go back and tweak the product and pivot. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Does
0: anybody else have any questions that they want to ask Orion real quick? All right. Go on. OK. Go ahead.
3: So um, you kind of played a little bit into the question I'm getting ready to ask, but um, I was just going to ask for the most part with now in today's world, everything being so social media driven, how important is the face to face that you were referring to? So that face to face interaction, that face to face conversation, um, how important is that?
1: That's a good question. And Ngozi, I can't see your face, so it would have been helpful. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm not gonna put you on blast. (laughs) But thank you for that question. I mean, it makes it harder, right? So you know this, oh, she came on. Okay, girl, I see you. Hey. Hey. (laughs) I love it, I love it. And I love that smile. But this, this interaction right here, it warms up so much more quickly when people can put a face, a voice, an intonation to who you are. And so I think today in business, it has become that much more important because we live in a much more voyeuristic society, right, where people have so many peaks behind the curtain because they're, you know, you can call it narcissistic or not, but they're taking selfies of themselves all day or they're, you know, I'm walking on the trail. Everybody's seen that, right, where you have the video and they've got the phone and it's bouncing around and they're like, yeah, I'm sweating. Okay. I'm four miles in. And, you know, I just wanted to share cause I had this thought I was out pooping this morning and I was thinking maybe I should, <laughs> and we we're used to that. We're used to having that access to people. So it isn't so much of this corporate wall anymore, where there's a company and there's people behind it and we don't know who they are. It's more like, okay. Um, why can't I see who you are? Why can't I know more about you? And it doesn't have to be really personal. Sometimes people want to see how the sausage is made, right? So you might just have clips and pictures. Uh, I mean, you can stylize it all you want to. You can make it what you want. it. That's really what social media is, right? Like people don't wake up with lashes. Let's just, that's not how that works. We don't don't wake up with brows. These ain't here. What are you talking about? They're not here. Um, And so you have to create, you can create some of that to make it a more comfortable space, but it is really, really important. Um, You can try to do business without it. It's gonna take away your believability and your trust. And when there isn't trust, the dollars don't come.
3: Thank you so much. So I'm coming from the perspective of, I'm a a musician uh, slash artist. Um, so, so much of, like, my platform is showing myself, but I'm, I'm trying to find the balance between showing myself and being transparent, but also knowing that music is a business. So, that answered it perfectly.
1: I love it. And people need to see your face. You have a wonderful smile. You got, look, ethnicity, <laughs> all over here, which we don't get to see also in the boardroom, right? So, we yes. just have the Crown Act. We don't really get, we haven't been able to see Black women as they are for the last 20 years, even though we've been in corporate in those spaces since then. And I think there's something really powerful of normalizing who we are as humans. I hate that we have to do it, but there's something really powerful to be able to bring our full selves to our business communities and show that my professionalism, my knowledge has nothing to do with my hair or my skin tone. It has to do with my experience, my capability and my wherewithal. So those are the things I'm gonna bring to bear and I'm gonna make you absorb the rest. Right. So. And with me, you'll accept other people because somebody
3: sees me and it it resonates with them, right? So, exactly. Make the pretense. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Okay. Well. All right. This has been a really good conversation. Like we've we've gone well over the time, but the conversation oh. was good. <laughs> I wish we could ask you a million more questions, but I'm just going to encourage everybody. Please visit blacktravelbox.com. Please follow Orion. Um, The replay will be up soon. We have a watch party on Thursdays. You'll be watching it by the time you see this. Thank you, Orion. Uh, Thanks thanks so much for having me. And for watching today. And we'll see you guys on the next episode.